Hello, today on Parenting News and the Culture War, we are going to talk about some New York schools using prison type tactics to keep kids safe. And I'll talk to you about that coming up here. Uh, some kids are done with all of this. They've had it and they are done with the mandates and the other garbage and are respectfully and kindly resisting. So there's a video on that. You're gonna like that one. A school in Washington state cancels 911 comm commemoration events due to it being racially insensitive. Thousands of educators and students attend a conference on how to implement the teaching of CRT in schools across the country. And a professor and Teen Vogue columnist suggests white people should not talk about their fear on 911 because they don't understand what fear is. Black people understand that better. And some good news too, plus we have dimwits and darlings and all that's coming right up. Okay, before I get started today, I wanted to remind you to please subscribe and like this video. And that I wanted to let you know also that I have parenting videos going on my other channel, the Mommy Answer Lady channel every Monday morning. Um, that takes you through the whole course of how to train your child to behave. So I hope you'll check those out. And also I wanted to remind you that all of these episodes of Parenting News and the Culture War are available on podcast. So you can get them at your favorite server, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, and several others. So um, be sure and give me a five-star review if you're listening to this on podcast. Alrighty, so now we're going to get to the New York schools that are using prison tactics to keep kids safe. And this comes from the Daily Wire. It says, no talking during lunch, daily symptom reporting inside New York City's new in-person school year. It sounds like a horrible school year to me. You'll see what I mean. Carol Markowitz, a New York columnist with children in New York's public schools, reported the harsh restrictions kids face in the new school year in New York. My daughter's Manhattan Middle School won't be using lockers this year. My son's Brooklyn Elementary School has let us know that water fountains will remain closed. No group projects, no field trips, no parties. Outdoor recess will be masked and distanced. Forget tag or sports, Markowitz wrote. She pointed to a health guide from New York's Education Department, which suggested schools cancel sports, theater, clubs, and all music-related activities because children might breathe too much during them. <laughs> Due to increased exhalation that occurs during physical activity, some sports can put players, coaches, trainers, and others at increased risk for getting and spreading COVID-19. This is in quotes from the New York's Education Department. Close contact sports and indoor sports are particularly risky. Similar risks might exist for other extracurricular activities, such as band, choir, theater, and school clubs that meet indoors, the guide states. So you can see New York is going to do whatever this health department says. It like mandates everything to the New York schools, regardless of how ridiculous it is. And we will talk about how ridiculous it is in just a minute. In addition, schools will require students to eat lunch outside where they will have to sit on the ground. Some schools have forbidden students from talking during lunch. Oh my goodness. 
That is, this is like abusive. I just, one Manhattan elementary school sent parents a survey asking what they should do in case of inclement weather. One of the options was actually skip lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's a good option. Just have the children go through the entire day without eating anything and see what a good result you get from that. On Twitter, Markowitz noted that students will have to fill out a health form each morning before school, which asks if they are experiencing any symptoms of COVID-19. <laughs> um, yeah, they're going just a little too far. In fact, they're going way too far. The outlet also reported that vaccinated students who test positive for COVID-19 but show no symptoms will be allowed to continue coming to school instead of quarantining. That's so consistent with all the rest of this, isn't it? They will be encouraged to stay three feet away from everyone else, however. There is no logic in anything these people do. Along with all the other restrictions, students and staff are required to, required to wear masks all the time, at all times. Oh, surprise! We used to understand that it is important for kids to get exercise with friends, but we have forgotten everything we have ever known about child development in the name of fighting a virus. Now, this is the important part. That poses a minuscule risk to children, she wrote. Yes, that's what makes this super, super ridiculous. I mean, I can understand if this was a disease that could really harm children, that would make them very sick, and that they have to take precautions. Totally get that. This is not. COVID-19 is not one of those kinds of things. And these kind of measures are harmful. They are not helpful and they're not keeping them safe. And the reason I said it's like prison, in fact, I thought about it and I was thinking, this is like worse than prison. Because like when they're in prison, when people are in prison, in some prisons, they can't talk when they're eating, right? They have to sit and not speak to others, depending on what the situation is. Sometimes they can and sometimes they have to be quiet. And they have to go in their cells at the certain time. So the kids are separated and put separate from everybody else. And that, those are kinds of things people do to people in prison. But what's worse is in prison, they have sports teams. They have different activities. No, they don't get to go on field trips, <laughs> which of course you'd think that that's part of the children's school experience is going on field trips with their class, right? That's part of mine. I'm sure it was part of yours. The fact that they're not allowing children to do any of these things, but they're still having in-person classes, it, it doesn't make sense. And then on top of that, if a child tests positive for COVID-19, they don't quarantine them. They can still come to school. Just stay, stay three feet away from everybody. <laughs> there is no logic in this at all. I, I don't necessarily think they should be quarantined for two weeks, but if, if that's what people think should happen, I, I would be okay with that. That would make more sense to me than all the rest of this stuff. This is harmful to children, and I believe it's abusive. That's my opinion. It's completely abusive. But you know what's kind of some good news? There are some children who have had it, and they're not going to put up with this anymore. So I have this video of these children who said no more to this. They got together. They obviously had some kind of adult helping them, you know, do this protest that they wanted to do. And I wanted you to see it because this is kind of what I think needs to start happening. I mean, in my opinion, this was a good move. So I don't know if I'm going to get banned from YouTube for that, but 
it is my opinion. Can we not speak our opinions on YouTube? I'm not sure how much longer we're going to be able to do that. But in fact, we can't a lot of times. <laughs> but I want you to look at this. If you're going to go in the building, you have to have a mask. And what would be the repercussions if they don't have a mask? If you don't, if you don't want to go in, you don't have to. What if they do? I'm not, I'm not going to force anybody. I'm not putting masks on anybody. That's not my job. The oh. order. So they can is, go in without the mask. This is a county health department order. Okay. And a policy of the school that if the anybody that's going to go not. in, they got to have a mask on. There is no policy. I'm not arguing. Okay, Thank so you. You, they can go in, guys. They can go, go in. in. They can go in. Go on in, guys. Go in. He. Well, they can't enforce it. Yeah, you guys, they can't touch you. Just go ahead and go in. They cannot touch you. Go in. They can't touch us. They can't touch you guys. Now, these kids have to show a proof of uh, negative COVID actually to get into the school. Long line out here, but apparently this is just one of many schools that are having this situation this morning. Now, these kids, like I said, they have to show proof of a negative test, actually, before they get into the school today. This line, almost around the block. Hope these kids get to class on time. Sky 2 was just over John Marshall High School in Los Feliz moments ago. As you can see, a long line that even goes around the block just to get into school. Under LAUSD's COVID protocols, all students and staff will have to mask up and face weekly COVID testing. Look how far that line goes. Sky 2 also saw long lines around LA High School. What I thought was interesting is he said, this is the policy. And he just kind of kept repeating it like, this is the policy. This is, or this is the mandate or the, whatever he was saying. Like, this is what I'm, it was almost like, this is what I'm supposed to say. Step back. This is what I'm supposed to say. Step back a little more. Okay, so wasn't that interesting? <laughs> he was pretty much saying, this is what I need to say, and I'm not going to do anything if you don't obey it. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting because I, I'm guessing that this guy probably doesn't think this is all reasonable anyway. And what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Tackle him to the ground to put a mask on him? I, I don't know. 
know, it's just, they don't think out things when they make these kind of policies. You saw what I mean by that. Um, I always thought there was a little bit of a problem when it, the schools were told, you can never touch a student. But in this case, that worked out, didn't it? <laughs> Since they can't, can't touch them, then they can walk right in, right? As long as they, once they move out of the way, and they're not going to stand there forever with that crowd of students there. So the students are pretty much saying, we're done with the masks. We're going to school. We're not going to wear them. I think that's awesome. Good for them. And then on top of that, you saw that clip. You could see how they didn't think out this idea that everybody has to test negative first. Did they think out how long that was going to take? And I'm wondering if on the first day of school, do they have to show they have a negative test or show they're vaccinated or whatever? Do they just do that on the first day of school and then after that, anyone who isn't vaccinated, they have to go through that every single day? They're going to have long lines every day. This doesn't make sense. But, you know, that's the leftist, that's how they roll. <laughs> they don't think ahead and they don't think of the ramifications of the kinds of policies or mandates that they're making and they just make them. Yep, that's just the way it is. And I think people are completely fed up with it. I certainly am. I was fed up with it last year. <laughs> but I'm so glad that other people are getting fed up with it too and they're starting to do something about it. Good for them. And I'm just going to say, I wonder what would happen if other parents or other adults started doing the same thing as these adults did. I wonder what would happen if that happened like that. It's just a question, YouTube. I'm just asking a question. I wonder what would happen. <laughs> if it does happen, I'd sure like you to tell me it happened so I can go and get a clip of that video of it happening. That would be good. Not that I'm telling anyone they should do that. I'm just asking what would happen if, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> next. And this comes from the Daily Wire also. West Coast High School canceled no, cancels 911 tribute, calls it racially insensitive. Students at a Washington State high school had planned to commem commemorate the 20th anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks by wearing red, white, and blue at a patriotic-themed game. But school officials rejected the plan because the event could, quote, unintentionally cause offense to someone some who see it differently, unquote, according to a new report. So they're not going to let have the children wear red, white, and blue as a group thing because it might cause offense to some who see it differently. If someone in America who is an American citizen sees it differently about 911 terror attacks. I don't think they should be here. Why don't they just go somewhere else? They could go over to where the Taliban is and live with them and go under their rule. Because if they're not proud enough to be Americans, they, they don't need to be here. I mean, they could just go somewhere else. Uh, quote, at East Lake High School in Sammamish, I'm not sure if that's the way to say that. Student leadership promoted a Patriot's Day. So it was the student leadership that did this. They promoted a Patriot's Day theme at a football game at Memorial Stadium against Rainier Beach. Uh, so I guess their football team is playing against Rainier Beach. <laughs> 
The game was previously canceled, then rescheduled to the day before the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks. Students wanted to do something to remember the tragic events, but staff intervened. Radio station KTTH reported. According to an email obtained by the Jason Rance Show on KTTH, which is a radio program, by the way, the principal said wearing those colors, those colors, red, white, and blue, could, quote, unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently, unquote. Students are upset, and well, they should be. I hope the parents are upset, too. Oh, and maybe they do. And some parents now speculate school officials thought their majority-minority opponents would be offended by American pride, the station reported. I am just appalled at that. I am appalled at that. That is... There's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. Rance, a host at the station, said an unnamed staffer at the high school canceled the display, quote, at the last minute. A student told the show that he was that he was informed that the red, white, and blue was going to be seen as racially insensitive and may affect people in a way that we will not understand and for that reason that we were to change our theme. At this point, I, this is a quote, at this point I was fairly upset and confused as to why the theme was changed. So I went around asking students in our leadership, this student said, that was a quote from a student. One mother emailed school principal Chris Bede, or Bede, it's B-E-D-E, to explain, and the station posted a screen grab of his response. Here's his response. Our leadership teachers made this decision and explained it to students, Bede wrote. I know tomorrow is 911 and understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents, but I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. Now, I, I'm sorry, I don't really care who sees it differently and they shouldn't either. We're talking about our country being attacked and the students who weren't even alive at the time are the ones who understand how to commemorate that in a reasonable way, which as students, they should be supported if they want to do that. And so what if someone sees it differently? I don't really care. And I hope that you don't care. And they shouldn't care. Because this is something that all Americans should be able to gather around. 911 was wrong. We were attacked. And as Americans, we should commemorate what happened to all of the victims of that day. And if someone doesn't like that, they really shouldn't be an American. They need to go somewhere else and be in a different country, in my view. And good for the students who had that idea. Now, it does say later in the, in the article that, of course, the principal and the staff, the dimwit staff and principal, uh, couldn't do anything about it, right? If the students wanted to wear wet, red, white, and blue, they, they can wear red, white, and blue, but they didn't want it to make it an official school event in that way. And what about the offense that was caused to the students who made this plan? It doesn't matter if you offend them, right? The, the American patriot type people, you can offend them all you want. The conservatives, you can offend them all you want. But don't offend any of the leftists. Don't offend anyone who doesn't like America. Don't offend them. The people who are standing up for America, those are the ones you can offend. That's what they're being taught in school by this behavior by the staff. And I, I, I'll say probably it isn't all the staff. Some of the staff are probably patriots themselves. 
And I hope they stood up and said, no, this is wrong. But obviously they were overruled by the leftists and the wokers that are in that school. Too bad. Good for the students. I hope they stood up and did it anyway. Next, I have a really, really disturbing video to show you. And what's, what is super disturbing about it is the lies that have been told to so many people in this country that CRT hasn't been taught in high schools at all and just maybe started recently because now they're, they're having to admit it. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious that it's being taught in schools now. But a few years ago, we were told, no, it's not. No, it's not. That's taught in law school. And that's some theory that's, you know, in the upper, you know, universities and that kind of thing. That isn't taught in elementary and junior high and high school. That's not taught here now. And this conference that I'm going to show you right now, I'm going to show you some clips from this conference. Um, this started in 1999. I was shocked. I didn't know anything about this. In fact, somebody wrote me, and I don't have the person's name. I'm sorry. They wrote a comment in my Parenting News in the Culture War, um, one of the videos. They commented, and they said, you need to look at this. And this came, came from ProgressivesToday.com, and actually got it off of their YouTube channel, Progressives Today. And I took a clip of it. I want you to watch this. You're going to be pretty shocked at what they're teaching teachers and students at this conference. The White Privilege Conference, or WPC, is an annual gathering of thousands of private and public educators, students, and school administrators from across the country. Participants examine and confront what they see as systemic race-based privilege in America. In our nation, racism, white people do not experience racism. White people can experience discrimination, but not white, not racism. The WPC describes itself as a private event, but the Wisconsin reporter revealed that at least tens of thousands of local, state, and federal tax dollars were spent this year to send teachers, students, and administrators to the conference. Are you guys high school students? Yeah. That's awesome. What do you do? I work for the Department of Ed. The oh, the K Department of Education. That's great. In Wisconsin or, okay. Yeah. yeah. And there are a ton of, of high school teachers here. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you, do you actually, do you guys know how many? Like, cause I saw a bunch of high school yeah, kids. Yeah, I just talked to one of my friends who works in a district and he said he had 45 staff here. So. Wow, 45 yeah. staff. Founded in 1999, the WPC's mission is to arm educators with the tools they need to teach white privilege theory in America's school system. But what exactly is meant by white privilege? Simply put, proponents of white privilege argue that white racism is institutional, structural, and pervades all aspects of American society. White privilege, they contend, is the deliberate invention of capitalists whose goal is to keep labor divided along racial lines. Berkeley law professor John A. Powell offers a deeper analysis, arguing in his keynote address that modern capitalism is the consequence of flawed concepts dating to the age of enlightenment. Concepts such as individual rights, reason, logic, and the scientific method. He rejects these ideas as white constructs and impediments to a better society. So whiteness, actually is very tied to our modern sense of the self. And this was part of what's called the Enlightenment Project. 
so that project, which goes back to people like Descartes, remember Descartes where he says, I think, therefore I am? Mm -hmm. So he had the separation of mind and body. He had the separation of the mind, rational mind, from nature. So this radical individual that perceives himself, and it largely was a him, as being isolated from each other, isolated from nature, hostile to nature, in a scary world, was also a white self. So the, the expression of the self, the modern self, is actually racialized. With this ideological underpinning in mind, educators and students spend three days immersed in various workshops that propose white European Christian men are the inventors and sole practitioners of racism. Overwhelmingly, throughout history, over hundreds and hundreds of years, Islamic societies have consistently protected Jewish people from persecution, typically from European Christians. So, what do I mean by Christian hegemony? Uh, very simply, I define it as the everyday, pervasive, deep-seated, and institutionalized dominance of Christian values, Christian institutions, leaders, and Christians as a group primarily for the benefit of Christian ruling elites. So it, that's very similar to how we might define racism or sexism or um, other systems of oppression. Okay, you can see what I mean by that being really disturbing. That's only part one. They have a four-part series on Progressives Today, their YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the description below in case you want to look at this series on this conference. I am amazed that all of those people, thousands basically, are sitting there listening to this and everybody seems to be okay with it and that they don't understand. What, what this guy was just saying at the end here was he was basically blaming Christians and Christian values for the problems in the world, right? For racism and everything else. That is just like what the Nazis did with the Jews long ago, right? I've heard this for years. I've heard that there's going to be a persecution of Christians. Of course, that's kind of been known that's going to happen. And I, I always thought, I wonder how that would happen because it seems like there's so many Christians. Well, I, you know what? Now I'm seeing how it's going to happen. They're going to keep saying things that are bad about Christianity and about Christians. In conferences and in classes, they're going to teach the teachers to teach the students those things. And eventually, just like they did in Nazi Germany with the Jews, they start thinking how horrible that group of people are. That group is horrible, right? And they're starting to do that. You can see it. This started in 1999, and they just had the, their conference this last year. So they've been doing this for years. And the other thing I wanted to say is, did you hear the part in here that said that they are getting funding from outside. They're supposed to be a private uh, conference or whatever, but they are getting funding from tax dollars. And I would suggest that if you have your child in public school, you're going to have a little more leverage with this, and you go find out whether or not the teachers and staff at the school your children are going to were sent to that conference and find out where the money came for them to go to it. That's what I would do if I were you and you have a child in public school. I hope you do that. The other thing that I thought was really interesting 
is this one of this this professor that I showed on here. There's more on the larger clip. I just took a few clips out of their video here. He talked about how individual rights, reason, logic, and the scientific method are racist. So to think logically is racist? To think with reason is racist? The scientific method is Everything is racist, right? Everything, everything is. I remember I was talking to a lady one time uh, a while back, and it was years ago actually, and she had a mental problem, okay? She, she had a crate, and, and it wasn't well known, she had a mental problem. And she started talking about things from connecting one thing to another to another until she was down in crazy town in her mind, right? And this is what I feel like they're doing. They're connecting one to another to another until they get to this conclusion that has nothing to do with reality. It's just like completely gone from reality. And these are the people that some of our government money is going to pay to teach our teachers and students more about this craziness. That is just sad. And this is really a part of the culture war for sure. Another reason to check out what's going on in your child's public school. And I, I hate to keep harping on public schools, but I mean, seriously, that, that's where a lot of the battle is in the culture war. It, it, it truly is. Next, I wanted to talk about a professor and a Teen Vogue columnist. Teen Vogue is a magazine, in case you don't know that. That suggests white people should talk, should not talk about their fear of 911, like what happened on 9-11, that white people shouldn't talk about how they were fearful because they don't have the right to do that. This is a picture of her. I'm going to read the article. And this article is from the Daily Wire. Again, I get a lot of information from the Daily Wire. Syracuse professor trashes 911 commentary, says it was an attack on heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems preferred by white Americans. That's what she had to say. Okay, her name is Jen M. Jackson. She's an assistant professor at Syracuse University Political Science Department. How oh, lovely. And it doesn't say that in this article, but she's a Teen Vogue columnist as well because I looked her up before I decided to use this to let you know about this. Uh, she took issue with the way people are discussing September 11th of 2001, terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City. Jackson, who has a verified Twitter account and describes herself as this, this is how she describes herself on her Twitter account. And I'm going to get my glasses on so I can do better. A queer, gender flux, androgynous black woman, an abolitionist, a lover of all black people. So she tweeted, she's, re, quote, really disturbed by how many white pundits and correspondents talk about 9-11, unquote. In now protected tweets, Jackson named only two pundits and correspondents, Andy Card and Jay Johnson, who are neither pundits nor correspondents. Card was a former president, George W. Bush's chief of staff on September 11, 2001, the man who delivered the devastating news to the president as he spoke to elementary school children in Florida. Johnson was the Secretary of Homeland Security under former President Barack Obama. 
Jackson took issue with Card discussing the fear that Americans felt after 9-11 because of terrorist attacks. Jackson implied that non-white Americans had felt that fear long before 9-11. Okay, this is what she said um, in her Twitter account, I suppose. Card just said that 9-11 was the first time that Americans ever felt fear. He said that it was the last morning we woke up without fear and that terrorists succeeded in introducing us to fear. Wow, that's hella incorrect, Jackson wrote. White Americans might not have really felt true fear before 9-11 because they never felt what it meant to be accessible, vulnerable, and on the receiving side of military violence at home. But white Americans' experiences are not a stand-in for, quote, America, she said. Now, that was a quote in, inside her quote. <laughs> now, she goes on. Plenty of us Americans know what it's like to experience a fear, and we knew before 9-11. For a lot of us, we know fear because of other Americans, Jackson continued. We have to be more honest about what 9-11 was and what it wasn't. It was an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems that America relies upon to wrangle other countries into passivity. It was an attack on the systems many white Americans fight to protect. So, in other words, what this woman is saying is that white people don't experience fear uh, from any kind of military at all, and that only black people do, basically, is what she's saying. She's basically saying that if you're not black, you don't get to say that you were afraid on 9-11 because that would have been the first time you would have ever been in fear, right? So no white people ever experience fear, right? Just black people experience that, except when 9-11 happened. That's what she's suggesting that he is saying, and that's not what he's saying at all. I, don't also, I also do not believe the vast majority of black Americans feel this way. I do not believe they do. I believe that they feel just as bad about 9-11. I believe that most of them feel like most people in America were very upset with 9-11 and want to commemorate it and want to say, hey, we're America. If you fight against us, we're going to stand together against you. I think that's what most black Americans think. I believe that it is those kind of people like this woman right here, she is the kind of person who is dividing this country. She is the kind of person. And you know what else right now? She is teaching young people. She is a teacher of young people. She should not be. She should not be a teacher of young people. A university should not have someone with this kind of ideology teaching in their political science department. No, 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 no. She shouldn't be there. It is very interesting to me that these kinds of people completely don't get it. And they keep dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing and thinking there's some end good result in that. This is not good. This is not going to be a good result. And why is Teen Vogue magazine having her as one of their columnists? <laughs> if you allow your teen to have Teen Vogue, I want to suggest you rethink that anyway. Teen Vogue is, is just a trashy magazine. Anyway, obviously it's more in the culture war. We have a university professor and a Teen Vogue columnist writing how white people in America don't have the right to express how they were fearful on 
That's what we have. She needs to be fired from any of these positions that have to do with teaching others at all. She needs to be fired. She needs to be fired from any, any teaching position as a professor in any way. She needs to be gone. Now, because it is the week of 9-11, I wanted to do some kind of commemoration on here for 9-11, and I just really appreciated this football team doing what they did. I'm not into football. Everybody knows that. Who knows me? I'm not into football at all, so I don't know a whole lot about this team or whatever, but I appreciated the fact that they did this, so I'm going to just play this little clip as a commemoration for 911. Looting the cadets who are taking the field with three first responders, all with American flags, onto the field at Mikey Stadium as they are fired up after a wonderful win last week against Georgia State and bringing all that emotion here to West Point for the home opener against a good Western Kentucky team. Wasn't that neat? I thought that was awesome. It would be really wonderful to see a football team come out onto the field like that rather than a football team come out onto the field and kneel to show some kind of disrespect to the America, the American flag and to the anthem and all that. So I thought that was really awesome. Next we have Dimwits and Darlings. Okay, I'm gonna try really hard to not be too passionate when I when I do this this particular section because this is one of the things that makes me really really mad and it is when parents use their children's innocence and their emotions for their own entertainment I'm going to talk about this a little more after you see this clip you're going to know this guy he is totally a dimwit parent I could dimwit him every day all right, now, this is something I know many people have been looking forward to all year. The results of our annual beloved tradition, the Halloween Candy YouTube Challenge. This is the ninth time we've done it. Many, I'm told that many of the disappointed kids from the first time we did it in 2011 have now blossomed to become fully grown disappointed adults. And that's, and I want to say something to those out there who think I do this because I enjoy being mean to kids. That is not, I love kids. Not only do I love kids, I have written and illustrated a children's book called The Serious Goose. Now, this is not a joke. It comes out December 3rd. It's available for pre-order now, and all the money I make from it goes to Children's Hospital. And remember that for the next five minutes as we endure the tears of disappointed children. In this year's edition of Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I told my kids I ate all their Halloween candy. Okay. No! Not at all! Well, guess what? Guess what? We're just joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one we I ever had! Because of you, dummy, stupid man! <laughs> Mama was just too hungry! Mackenzie, Jimmy Kimmel told me to do it. No, thank you. 
I don't find that funny at all. I found that abusive. What that is is, let's lie to our child, see if we can make them as upset as possible so we can get them on a TV show to show how upset they are while everybody laughs as they feel horrible or are very upset. And then after we let them experience how upsetting that can be, then let's tell them that it was all a joke and see what they do then. That is just the most abusive and horrible thing to do in the emotional realm to a child. It, it's just, it makes me so mad. And what really makes me mad is all of those audience members think it's funny. It's not funny. That is not funny. What that is, is mean. It's being mean to children. And you know, he has this book and he thinks, oh, because I wrote this children's book and I'm giving money to children's hospitals with this children's book, that makes me nice to children. That makes me loving to children. No, it doesn't. Not if you're encouraging their parents to lie to them in order to get them upset so that they can film them so that you can put them on your TV show. Uh, that is just... <laughs> now, there was another clip of him actually doing this to his daughter. And um, I didn't show that one, but he is trying to get her to be upset like she isn't upset at first and so he keeps talking to her trying to say aren't you angry yet aren't you angry yet you know <laughs> I'm just like that is so awful and that what's worse about it is he doesn't just do it to his kid he encourages all these other parents to do it and what's on top of that all the parents that do that it's just amazing they are all dimwits every one of those parents and if I could stamp them all Dimwits, I would. And everybody in the audience is laughing about it. I'd stamp them too. I can't unfortunately do that, but I would if I could. It is wrong. And you know what really is crazy about this? See, I told you I'd get really passionate about it because it makes me really mad. Another thing that's really crazy about it is I am on parenting forums and I try to give advice and help people who have questions about parenting issues. One of the things that I have found is a lot of the people who have a lot of the progressive parenting attitudes about things, they think it's just out of line in any way to allow your child to feel uncomfortable, right? Like, oh no, you can't let them feel uncomfortable so that you can get, you know, give them some kind of discipline or, or teach them or guide them or train them, whatever, to how to behave. You can't, you can't make them uncomfortable when that happens. Like, they can behave badly, but you shouldn't be the one making them uncomfortable, right? They might be uncomfortable because they're behaving badly, but you don't do anything to make them uncomfortable to teach them not to be that way. But you can lie to your children and do this and make them completely upset for your own entertainment. Then, then that's okay, right? It just baffles me that people think this is okay. And you know what? I am going to stamp him a dimwit parent. I wish that meant something bigger. But it doesn't. But at least here I can do that. So I'm Okay, I'm sure that I will probably stamp Mr. Kimmel a dimwit again. Uh, because he does other things. I can't remember what the other things he does. He goes out on the street and embarrasses children and stuff like that too. So I will have him as a dimwit parent again, I'm sure. Because he does have his own child. And I don't know how many. But he'll be a dimwit again, I'm sure. Or he continues to be, let's just put it that way. Um, next, we're going to see something a little more fun, and this is a darling dad. 
He is Mr. Hurt, H-U-R-T-T, and he has a YouTube channel with him and his little twins. And he does a lot of little videos about what's going on with his twins, and I think that's fun. So I wanted you to see this particular video of his little twins, and then we'll talk about it when we're done. Apple. Apple. Give him a hug. Give him a hug. Pray for him. Yeah. He got a scar. Boy, you got a scar? Yeah. Did you get a scar? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can do it all again. Yeah. Daddy goes like, oh, what are you doing? Hey, Rachel. Okay, you can go now. Good job, boys. Good job, boys. Good job, boys. Make daddy so proud. And Jerron has a scar, Josh. Josh, look at Jerron's scar. Look at Jerron's scar. Whoa. You got that scar right there. Yeah. Whoa. You see it, Josh? To the house. You know, so get to the house? Yeah. Okay. okay, I thought that was really cute. What I liked specifically about it is that the father didn't coddle his child as soon as he, he fell, right? He let him fall. He let him have his moment where he was screaming and crying, which of course happens with little children like that. And then he just kind of moved on. He kind of came over, the little child came over, gave him a little hug. He kind of patted him on the head, basically, and let his brother acknowledge it, and he just moved on. Now, there's a lot of parents that, that do that, and they know, but there's a lot of other parents who would run up to their child, act like it's a big deal, give him hugs, and allow him to cry and cry and cry and cry. He didn't. He just moved on, and then he said, good for you. He had him running right down, the, right down again and tell him, good, go for it, you know? Not afraid of it. I thought that was really cute. He, he's, he's just a sweet dad. So I wanted to stamp him a darling parent. Okay, guys, that's it for today. But I do want to ask you to please remember to subscribe and like and comment. I do need your help in that way. So I hope you'll do that. Parents, we can win this. Thanks for watching.